0: Hey, would you like us to read a story of your choosing? Well, you're in luck. Head on over to superhumanregistrationpodcast.com and fill out the web form at the contact us link. If you submit a story there that is available to read on Marvel Unlimited, we will consider it for a future episode of the show. The world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be. The best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. Okay, so I don't know about you guys. I actually didn't see any of the announcements from San Diego Comic
1: Con. I didn't watch them, but then everyone I follow on all social medias was like,
2: oh my gosh! ah!" I I didn't see them. I've been reading some articles that have been coming out of this stuff, but I mean, that picture and like information on the what if and multiverse of madness or madness of the multiverse. Yeah. uh, Those are the two ones I've been like keeping up on.
0: Yeah. I am so curious about what if.
2: Yeah, do, what do you know about what if, Aldo? Uh, all I know is that some of the main movie actors of the mainline movie actors have been signed on for an episode of what if.
1: Interesting. Right. Is it going to be on the Disney service, Disney Plus? Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, on that picture I posted, um, it tells you what is on that series on on the on the platform.
0: And that was the thing that struck me the most is that most of what they announced, quote unquote. Uh, is on the service. It's on the streaming platform. Like Phase Four is mostly television. Yeah.
2: Well, well like, the, well, well, the thing is though, it's actually like par for the course. Like you still have like about six movies, two or three per year. hmm Um, but you also have like almost the same, if not more, stuff that's coming on the service. So, like, their movie stuff is way not impacted at all, which is a little impressive, to be honest. I'm excited for
1: a step up in production value and uh, quality, like looking at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Inhumans show, which I never watched, but I only heard bad things about it. Yeah, Um,
2: maybe now we'll have characters we actually care about. Yeah, well,
1: like Winter Soldier and uh, um, Falcon is going to be cool, or Falcon and Winter Soldier, or Captain America and Winter Soldier, whatever you want to call it. I'm excited for that.
2: I really want to keep talking about this, but maybe we should save this with the back matter. Oh, that's yeah. true.
0: That's yeah. it, that is what we're going to get into. So why don't we actually dive into the episode? Hello and welcome to the Superhuman Registration Podcast. We are uh, still, I guess, processing all of the news from San Diego Comic-Con. But before we get to that, we have comics to read. I am joined this evening by John and Aldo. Guys, how are you doing?
2: Good. Hello. Hello good
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is how you answer that question yes thank you you're welcome (laughs) uh it is a billion degrees outside i don't think utah is supposed to have a heat wave necessarily but it's really hot
1: it is a desert it Um, is a
0: desert yes but like desert in the sense that it doesn't get rainfall Uh, like i'm dying it's just so hot
2: so i'm just i'm just gonna say this real fast but uh i mean I don't want to get all political here and talk about climate change, but if climate change continues by 2025, no, 2045, I think, anyways, one of the f- fives, um, <laughs> I think it was 2055. By the time we get to 2055, Utah, 2055, Utah will be 2019, Texas weather. Oh, no. Oh, if, no, no. If, I don't
0: like that. I just bought a house here.
2: Yeah. Texas, I think it's 2045. 2045 Texas will have 2019 like Middle East weather.
1: No. Like, will it keep humidity? I forget if it's Uh, humid in the Middle East or not. I would guess no.
2: (laughs) I'm going to guess since it's in the middle,
1: probably not.
0: Yeah. um, That's that's my science. Not a fan of that.
1: No. Climate change is real, dum-dums. Sorry, that's just to any dum-dums who are listening.
0: <laughs> I, I'm not sure if you guys are, are familiar with H Guy. Yes. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel. He did a pretty great uh, video on climate change. And in this video, he has a clip of Ben Shapiro talking. And Ben Shapiro's like, okay, let's say that everything that goes on with climate change, everything that everybody talks about is real. And let's say the water levels rise by five feet. Let's say ten feet in the next ten years or whatever. Uh... Don't you think the people who are affected by that, don't you think they would just sell their houses and move? And then it cuts over to just this blank wall, and all of a sudden this axe, like, drives through the wall. And each bomber guy, like, chops a hole in the wall, sticks his head through, and says, Just one small problem, Ben! Sell their houses to who? Aquaman? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's really good. Oh man. And Ben Shapiro is really dumb about climate change. And many other things. Ugh. Speaking of things that are dumb about a lot of things, let's talk about some comic books.
1: Hey, I you know what? I I'm worried because I enjoyed these comic books. They weren't they weren't like stellar, but they were much better than last time. Oh. Well,
0: okay. Last time we read the worst comic that we have read so far.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I, that's it, it is our new bottom of the barrel.
0: Yeah, you're you're not really setting the bar very high when you say that.
2: All right. Well.
1: Uh, I mean, it doesn't make it not true.
0: (laughs) We'll get into the conversations. Um, Why don't I go ahead and start so we can talk about War of Kings. Mm -hmm. So War of Kings is a 2009 miniseries that I've always been curious about, and I had never read it. It is set in the grand spacefaring corner of the Marvel Universe. So its primary players are the inhumans who at this phase at this point in Marvel Comics history are actually ruling over the Kree so Black Belt and Medusa and Lockjaw and Karnak and Black Black Bolt? Who did I say?
1: Black Belt.
0: Black Belt?
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know a strange cousin. (laughs) Daniel's (laughs) son Black Bolt (laughs)
0: Noted king of the Inhumans and martial arts enthusiast. (laughs) (laughs) Karatex.
2: Hey, can I I just point out one of my favorite things about the Inhumans? Okay. His name is uh, Black Agar Boltigan.
1: Yes! (laughs) Yeah, that's so ridiculous. I love it. And I love it.
2: I had a 10 minute conversation about, like, with my coworkers, like, a year or two ago. We're talking about, you know, Blackagar Boltigan. <laughs> and, uh, and we were just we were just sitting there talk make, doing the same thing for for other heroes. Uh like like uh, uh was it like spider Man again?
0: Man, all of these heroes are related. I was just thinking about Batagin Manigan
2: <laughs> Are they are they cousins? <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah.
0: So anyway, the, hu- the Inhumans are ruling over the Cree, and to help solidify their rule, they are uh, arranging a marriage between Crystal, uh, the princess of the Inhumans, and I'm guessing ex-wife of the Human Torch at this point. Uh, or wait, no, was she married to the Human Torch? No, she was married to Quicksilver. Yeah, they why- say that. Right, which is why Polaris is in this story as well, because Polaris is sort of Quicksilver's sister. Like, here's the thing, we haven't even talked about the plot yet, and we're already in the weeds.
1: Well, X-Men are involved, so that's gonna happen. But they're
0: only, like, tangentially involved. It's not even the X-Men, it's the Starjammers, which at this point are made up of Havoc and Polaris, and some random Shi'ar renegade, and... Lalandra, the empress of the Shi'ar, and Ch'od, who is... Like, he's he's a he's been a member of the Starjammers, I think, since the beginning. But it's like, it's barely a recognizable team as far as I'm concerned. These are not characters that I know very well.
1: I'm just glad it's how you said it, because I was reading it as Ch'od and couldn't keep myself in
2: mind. I couldn't tell the first time they, they showed his name.
1: I was like, surely not. No, I, I just <laughs> thought it was Chu. Uh (laughs) Like, (laughs)
0: choo-choo! Chugga-chugga-chugga. So anyway, the Inhumans are arranging a wedding between Crystal and Ronan, the Accuser, to help solidify their, their rule over the Kree. And while this is going on, the Shi'ar Empire, which is madly expanding and being very aggressive militarily, the Shi'ar Empire decides to come in and try to take over the Kree. The Shi'ar Empire is currently, at this point in Marvel Comics history, is currently being ruled over by Vulcan, who is the third Summers' brother. He is the brother to Scott Summers and Alex Summers, which is, like, that's kind of our X-Men connection. That and Havok is in it, but he's not really the player in the story. Like, this is all about the war between the Shi'ar and the Inhumans leading the Kree. And over the course of this story, uh, the thing is, there's so much that happens. I feel like I can't really summarize it because it's like summarizing the summary because things move so quickly. Yeah. couple couple of major things that happen. The Shi'ar's Imperial Guard serves under Emperor Vulcan, including Gladiator. Gladiator is basically a Superman XP. He has all of the Superman powers, but they are somehow linked to his self-esteem. So if his self-esteem wavers, he gets weaker. It's, it's kind of an interesting power set.
2: So he's so he's like Superman with the weaknesses of Green Lantern.
0: Yeah, basically. And all of the interest of Green Lantern, so nobody likes him. Uh, <laughs> but he got that mohawk. Yeah, that doesn't help.
1: M- maybe not for you.
2: I mean, that does a lot for me. Yeah, I was
0: captivated. Mm-hmm. Captivating mohawk. Captivating <laughs>
1: mohawk. You make it sound like it's a late night infomercial. <laughs> Impress your friends. Bring it to the game. Wear it on date night.
0: <laughs> Dial one I want mohawk.
1: I think that you'd get a different product if you dialed that number. But anyway, go on.
0: So over the course of this series, Lalandra, who is the current deposed empress of the Shi'ar, tries to regain her authority. And in so doing, she gets captured. But she winds up getting rescued, more or less, by the Starjammers... In their attempt to rescue Lalandra, they are stopped by Gladiator and the Imperial Guard, but Gladiator, realizing that he still has loyalties to Lalandra, switches sides, serves Lalandra, tries to help reinstate her to the throne, and in their effort to get her crowned, there's a huge uprising in the middle of the the Shi'ar homeworld. Emperor Vulcan has been contacted by this group of secret agents that exist to defend the integrity of the shiar empire they're called the raptors i believe Mm -hmm. yeah they show up
2: confused with the basketball team
1: (laughs) we are from the shiar empire not toronto
2: (laughs) (laughs) there's not that big a difference but it should be noted (laughs) to be fair the
1: cn tower is pretty tall so we just (laughs) hop from one to the other gosh Haha, ha, didn't know John lived in Miss, in uh, in uh, Mississauga, Ontario, a suburb of <laughs> Toronto. Local references.
0: Oh, gosh. Anyway, <laughs> so the raptors show up. They pledge their fealty to uh, Emperor Vulcan. And so then they wind up going over to the Shi'ar homeworld and assassinate Empress Lalandra. So she's dead. And that sets all sorts of madness on the Shi'ar homeworld. Uh, in motion. Meanwhile, the Kree are actually winning the war against the Shi'ar, thanks in large part to Maximus, who is a sometimes villain of the Inhumans, but he's also Blackagar, Boltagon's brother, which I think makes his name Maximus Boltagon.
1: That's like Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. Poor Luigi. The other brother has to have the name of the more well-known brother.
2: But like Max, like Maximus Boltigan actually sounds like a real name. I, well,
0: for certain values of the word "real," I suppose. I mean,
2: a lot more real than than Blackagar. Blackagar just sounds like a ooh crap. We didn't, we didn't actually make him black. Oops.
0: <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> so anyway, Maximus has been devising these, these war weapons that are powered by the voice of Black Bolt. Black Bolt never speaks. His voice is his superpower. When he talks, it levels mountains. And because of these weapons and these other developments that the, the Inhumans have been making, they're kind of winning the war. And at the same time, Maximus is trying to help the Kree get through this evolutionary dead end that they're currently facing. He believes that by exposing the Kree to the Terrigen Mists, the Kree will be able to start evolving again uh, because they're, I guess, doomed to die out or something. But the experiments are not promising. The Terrigen Mists are not likely to have any effect on the Kree. And it's kind of this big point of tension between the Kree and the Inhumans. And in the middle of all of this, they launch a giant, basically, world-destroying nuke to take out the Shi'ar once and for all. Vulcan intercepts it. He and Black Bolt wind up having this great big knockdown drag out fight that winds up killing them
1: both. It tears a rift, yeah, a rift in space-time. Right. Or the or dimensions or something, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, but at this point in the Marvel universe, is that even out of the ordinary?
0: Uh, no, no, it is not that <laughs> uncommon for two superpowered beings to fight each other so hard that they tear a hole in space-time. Yeah. Um But anyway, at the end of the whole series, Black Bolt is missing presumed dead, Vulcan is missing presumed dead, I believe Gladiator is now currently the ruler of the Shi'ar, and that's kind of where the series ends. And like, if it sounds like this was a bit jumbled and confused, it's because there's so much that happens in this, and all of it is dealing with characters that I know almost nothing about. Like, none of these guys had trading cards when I was a kid.
1: Ah, we'll come back to the trading <laughs> cards.
0: Well, okay, Polaris did. And actually, uh, I believe uh, Crystal did too.
2: Can Can you tell me what Crystal's powers are? She controls the elements.
0: The, the she... four basic elements. Okay. She's so, the
2: avatar.
1: Yes.
0: Oh. <laughs> also, her power is to have that weird shape in her hair. Yeah. She's got this like black band that goes back from her ears, and there's a circle, like it forms a circle in the back of her head. But it's not like a headdress. That's her hair. Her hair just naturally has that shape. I like, thought Medusa was in the. Declaration.
1: When you're talking about inhumans and hair, I thought it was all about Medusa. You learn something every day.
0: I mean, I would have said it was all about Karnak because Karnak's got that mustache.
1: After we read that great Karnak solo series, I was like, everyone shut up. Karnak's in this panel. Everyone shut up. I want to hear what <laughs> Karnak has to say.
2: And then you look at him
1: and you're like, oh no, never mind, carry on. Yeah, I was like, oh wait, no, I liked the other design better. I don't like this like he almost looks like is it the the, the leader, the Hulk villain that has a big huge head? Yes. Yeah. That's kind yeah, of like the vibe I was getting, and I was like, No, no, I don't like it. <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of Karnak's design. I'm also not a fan like as a character, he does nothing in the story. Yeah. He's kind of uh, exposition dude. Yeah. The only characters who really like I feel like Crystal actually gets a pretty good uh, turn here. Her relationship with Ronan I actually find to be really interesting because it is like, it's an arranged marriage, but it's not like an arranged marriage in the sense that it's often uh, presented in contemporary storytelling where it's like both parties are completely reluctant to do it. From the minute that the ceremony is completed, Crystal is a loyal wife. She's putting duty first. Ronan is in the hospital because he gets brutally injured when the the Shi'ar attack his wedding ceremony, but immediately he's like down to business. He and Crystal are like, okay, this is our situation. We have this really great opportunity to do something for the Cree, and the humans have this great thing that they can offer. How do we make this work? I thought that was interesting, not developed well enough. Like it doesn't really go anywhere because this feels like a middle chapter rather than a beginning or ending.
1: Does it get fleshed out in the little side stories of this event?
0: Maybe, uh, there were a lot of side stories to this event. And I was like, surprised... to get looking at the reading list. Yeah. But I don't actually know that, because I do feel like most of what happened in this story happened in this story. There were a couple of side plots, like everything involving the Guardians of the Galaxy, who show up for a couple of panels. Yeah. All of that happened, I think, in a different book. Like, this was 2009?
1: 2009.
0: 2009, so we're not That's that cool. far... After Civil War, we're still in the middle of the big event cycle that Marvel was going through. Civil War, Secret Invasion, Dark Reign, all of that. We're we're still in the middle of all of that. Uh, so beyond that, what did you guys think?
2: I was not sold. <laughs> I... Uh, so this is a problem I had with both the books we're going to be talking about today. Is that they both involve like these kind of big, epic, like, uh majestic i guess that's the word i'm looking for uh like wars between like kings and almost gods mm-hmm. and we st- we read both of these books and it feels like we're dropped right into the middle like right before the climax hits mm-hmm. it's almost like we were watching Lord of the Rings trilogy for the first time and we decided to start at the return of the king um because i felt I I had a hard time really caring about anything that's going on, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of exposition. It's a beefy read, at least in the beginning. It feels fairly fairly substantial, um, but I just could not find I just could not get myself to care really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I now, think the the only reason I even really cared about um any of the characters in the book is because I've always had an interest in Black Bolt and Medusa, and I yes. And I've still yet to read a good book with him in it.
0: Um, <laughs> hey, hey, they're in uh, Secret War. Well, Black Bolt is at least, isn't he?
2: Yeah, yeah. I stand by what I said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you like Secret War?
2: Oh wait, yes. Yeah, sorry, I thought you said Civil War. My bad.
0: Isn't hold on? Is Black Bolt in Secret War?
2: I don't remember. Maximus I... is. I don't remember him being a major player in. Secret he War. might not have
0: been. I mean, Maximus is in it, though. Yeah. I remember Maximus very clearly. Um,
2: but it seems like a uh, would have had like a big job to do
1: in Civil yeah, War yeah. if he was, because he's super powerful. Maybe yeah. he wasn't in it. I may I might be misremembering.
2: So, like, there's an interest in those characters, but like, it, you know, least stand by what I said, and uh, <laughs> and the other thing is, so I've been playing. I know this isn't really uh, topical to the book. But I've been playing Marvel Ultimate Alliance, Ultimate Alliance three, oh, yeah. on the Switch, and Crystal is like one of the first characters you get. She's like in the first or second round of, of a wave of new characters that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been playing as her as a bunch. So like, I that's about the only connection I really had to the character. Like she and and uh, Ronan have a pretty interesting like arc, but other than that, like I just couldn't really get myself to care if they weren't on those on the page i just i kind of like glazed over it feels like it wasn't
1: as engaging to me i figured it was because i personally didn't read these comics and so i thought okay if i knew these characters better i think i would get more out of this as it was i thought it was okay i liked it yeah like
2: it's, but it's I just, fine yeah. I- I, I think I think kind of like you kind of briefly touched on. I think it's the, or maybe not, maybe I'm making this up. um But it, I think it's just that like, it just starts. Like we don't have a buildup really to this. Like we're right in the middle of this, of these peace negotiations.
1: Yeah. no Steven was talking about that and that's. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the trouble is like, okay, we want to start this story. This is a good jumping on point. But is it? Because we'll find out with Thor that really there's a lot of things going on Mm -hmm. that you're going to do better. You'll, you'll enjoy the story better if you go back, you know, a couple of years in, in Thor's case, I think to uh, get the whole picture before you start, you know, looking at individual stories that are happening. I mean, granted
2: war, war of Kings is technically an event book.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: Um, so there's, there's definitely the buildup that we didn't get. And there's certainly a lot of stuff that I assume happens out coming out of this book and there's a lot of side stuff. So for somebody like brand new to jump into this, like I think maybe your biggest attachment to this book might just be Crystal and Ronan.
0: That strikes me as being a bit of a problem though, because they're not in the action.
2: Yeah. No, that's that's I'm not saying that I'm not saying that's a as a good thing. I'm just saying like that's a <laughs> thing. Like yeah. like they're they're kind of the most interesting because they have like growth and they have an arc and they have like they start out in a different place than they do when they end. Like, they are substantially... They have an actual, like, story. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of these characters, they just or even side arcs and things, it really feels like we're just getting a glimpse to a bigger story.
0: Yeah. This feels a little bit like reading Infinity War, or like watching Infinity War, without having seen any of the other Marvel movies. Yeah. Because you... Or, or maybe a, I'm not sure. Maybe a better comparison might be watching. No, I don't even think that's true because, like, you get these sort of like little payoffs to stories that I presume had taken place in other books. Like, I forgot to mention that Rachel Summers is in this.
1: Oh yeah, and confronts the uh, the, the guy man who that killed her, killed her family? family. Yeah, which is like big part of X Men lore, like an alternate universe or yeah. or future. But yeah. is
2: it and like, she's... like. And she's called Marvel Girl, like she's taking that title too.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Right, which doesn't surprise me. I feel like that's a good title for her to have. Uh, if sure. anybody other than Jean Grey should be Marvel Girl, it should be Rachel Summers. Yeah. Rachel Summers, by the way, I've got a similar issue with Rachel Summers that Aldo does with Black Bolt. I think she's an interesting character that I don't believe I've read any good stories about yet.
1: <laughs> See, I want to say that I have, but now I can't remember what they were. <laughs> Like a couple of years ago, she was on like the all-female X team, and she was. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just like her power set, and so I don't really like notice when it's not really that well written. Because I'm like, yeah, we got a tele uh, telepath on and a uh, telekinetic on the team. All right.
0: She's the Phoenix. Yeah. Except not crazy. Yeah. I guess unless she is crazy sometimes, so she's probably crazy sometimes. Uh, <laughs> well, but... she was a
1: she was one of the f- uh, the Feral. Is that what they're called? In her alternate yeah. future, she was used to, like, sniff out mutants. Like, she was yeah. brainwashed and, yeah, used, like, against mutants, even though she wasn't. Mm-hmm.
0: I have a feeling I'd like the character more if I were to ever go back and read classic Excalibur. Yeah, yeah. But I've not really done that yet. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I feel like this story, though, it has all of this build-up and all of this payoff. Or rather, it has all of this payoff, but none of the build-up. And so, if we haven't been following, like, why are the Inhumans ruling over the Kree? If we don't understand why Vulcan is now ruling the Shi'ar Empire, uh, then I don't know that this story really has a whole lot to offer. Like, my first thought when I started reading it, with how fast it was moving, was, oh my gosh, this is reading like Secret Wars. Because Secret Wars also kind of starts in the middle of all of this big action, and if you Mm -hmm. haven't been reading the books, it's really easy to get lost. But then Secret Wars, after, you know, the universe's end, makes the very smart decision of really, like, focusing on a couple of characters' emotional journeys. And I feel like War of Kings is missing that emotional journey. Yeah. Like, the closest we get is the stuff with Crystal and Ronan. But the issue is there isn't any real affection there. And so there is no emotional journey, it's all practical, it's all pragmatic. And Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily saying that that's a bad course of action for those characters to take in this circumstance, but it does make it hard for me as a reader to find something to care about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mind, I liked, you know, Gladiator's, his struggle, like being, you know, serving the Emperor blindly, serving the Emperor blindly, and then switching sides, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, becoming the Magister, becoming, you know, in charge. Um, Yeah, that wasn't bad. That was at least something else, you know, going on. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'll give you that, actually. Um, I'm not sure that it was executed as well as I would have wanted to see. Like, I don't think they seeded his changing sides enough. I still buy it, like, but it didn't have, I don't think, the impact it was supposed to.
1: I don't know, I I got a sense that it, it was coming the way that he was... You know, like the way he, the way he was loyal. He was just like, I, I serve, I serve, I serve, and that's my, that's who I am. You know, mm-hmm. without anyone questioning that and saying, Hey, man, weren't you like a good guy before? What's the deal? That also was a plot point in a, in a book that I read where somebody stays loyal just to turn on the bad guy at the opportune moment and so maybe that's you know affected my my viewing of this mm-hmm. as i'm seeing it through the eyes of aha i know what he's going to do in the in the long game or potentially what he could do and he did yeah
0: it reminds me a little bit of the conflict in the movie black panther between Okoye and nakia where yeah. nakia is like hey we need to help our friends the rulers and okoya is like no i serve the throne of wakanda therefore yeah. i now serve killmonger but even there, like, we had that conflict. Like, we could see that Okoye was not too keen on that idea, and so when she had the uh, opportunity to change sides, it didn't feel jarring because we knew that conflict was already there. And we even though we didn't know when she would make that choice, we knew that she would make that choice. And I don't think that change was seeded in the same way for Gladiator. I do think that the frequent repetition of the phrase I serve at the will of Emperor Vulcan or whatever that was helps because it really takes a very cynical tone. Right. And Gladiator like you you can kind of tell that doesn't really resonate with who he's supposed to be but again I didn't feel it. It wasn't like a fist pump moment. Like we had a bunch of like fist pump moments in Secret Wars when characters acted the way that we expected them to. It's like yes I'm glad they did that. I didn't get that here. It didn't excite me in the same way. Right.
1: Um anything else we want to say about these issues (laughs) there's gotta be more
2: i i mean not not really i I, and i and i think this is not any real fault of the book i think this is more i you know i never want to blame the reader but i think this is i think if you don't you're not interested in this book i think it's really because you don't know what you're getting into Mm -hmm. um because there's like you know typically when they announce a big event thing right like civil war you kind of get excited, and you kind of read up on it, and you can, kind of, or, or your chances are you're already reading a book that's going to lead into civil war. Yeah. So you already have a lot of that pre context before you enter the book, and I think for us in this instance, we didn't have any of that. These are not characters we typically follow, or even parts of the Marvel universe we we really follow, because because at the end of the, I don't know. At least to me, at the end of the day, the book to me felt like technically sound like I it wasn't offensive to me in any way but without like any context or any real character that I wanted to root for at the beginning I I I was just I really just felt like a bystander yeah
0: uh so have you guys read anything by Abnett and Lanning before
2: I yes no, I don't think so. okay what so- I couldn't tell you but yes
0: So, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning are the writers of this story. They have a reputation of being the cosmic guy. They are responsible, basically, for reviving Guardians of the Galaxy in the comics before the movie happened. I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy were still basically C-listers, but they were C-listers that had a lot of really good stories and a very devoted fan base. And it's in large part due to Abnett and Lanning. Mm -hmm. They did the Annihilation series, which... It has a really good reputation. I can never remember what happened in it, because it's kind of similar to this, where there's a lot that happens. Um, And also, I haven't read Annihilation in
2: years.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, that's another reason not to remember things. But they do have a reputation for being able to deal with cosmic stuff very well. And so there's a lot of cosmic stuff in this. We're dealing with empires. We're dealing with massive scale, galactic warfare. And it all does feel very epic, but I, I feel like the character details aren't there. And I agree with what you're saying, although it's the point we've been making this whole time, that we don't have an affection for these characters. We don't really know the characters that well, so it's hard for us to latch on to them. Mm-hmm. But I still feel like there is the... Like, writers have an ability to take characters that... um are relatively unknown and make them sympathetic and make them li- likable. It's like, I believe it was Stan Lee who said, every, you know, treat every comic like it. Every comic's going to be some reader's first comic. Right. And I don't get that this was really written for people who uh, haven't read these characters before. And frankly, and this is something we're going to get to again this episode, but if you have a comic that has a big number one on the cover, it needs to be new reader friendly.
1: Yeah, Yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Even set up as this one is, as an event, people jump on during events all the time. I'm exactly. Sure. Like they have to. Like it's That's what they push. That's what they try to sell. And then it's naturally going to lead to all the tie-ins, which will make you a fan of those comics, which will keep you reading those comics. And then you're not just getting the event anymore, you're also hooked on the Guardians of the Galaxy, and on the Starjammers, and also on the Inhumans, and any other mm-hmm. cosmic stuff that comes up. So, you know, like like Civil War is the same kind of thing where there was a lot of tie-ins. The better writing and, and storytelling probably in those tie-ins, but a lot of people, I feel like, I mean, that's when I came back to comics, and so... I, I, I don't dislike it like everyone else in this podcast. Does. <laughs> <coughs> I understand where it's there are faults to it, but you know, part of it's like my it's like my jumping off point.
2: You know, it's not really relevant to the conversation, but Star Jammers sounds like a defunct eighties band. <laughs>
0: I mean they basically were.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you That's... you know who the Star Jammers are, right, Aldo? No. Oh, well, okay. So the Star Jammers are spin-off X-Men characters. Originally, they were made up of I can only remember, Ch- oh, it was one of them. But the other okay. two were uh Hepzibah who Tate. is Wait, wait, hold on. What did
1: you say? <laughs> Maybe I got my characters wrong. <laughs> Oh, no, I can hear his disapproval, Aldo.
0: I'm I'm still processing. What did you... Like, did you say what I think you said?
2: Yeah, I want a team with Choden Taint on it.
0: No, (laughs) stop it. Oh, I hate it. (laughs) So, the other Star Jammers that I remember...
1: Is it Corsair, or what's his name? Corsair,
0: yes. Corsair, who is (laughs) Dad Summers.
1: Who did not die in the plane crash, apparently.
0: Who did not die in the plane crash, but went off to become a space pirate and hang out with... Hepsiba, I think is her name. And she's like a cat lady, except she's not actually a cat, she's a skunk. That's too bad. Yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit of a thing. So anyway, like I don't even remember where I was going with this because John is the worst.
2: <laughs> <laughs> How far have we strayed? Oh, so far. I could just I could just feel the disapproval.
1: It was just like it was just like, it's just. It's honestly, it's more shock than disappointment. John, I want you to. John, I want you to come into my office, please. Like we need to talk. Oh no. <laughs>
0: uh, bonus audio. John will wash his mouth out with soap. Yeah. On microphone. Oh,
1: that's not. I think that's a technical term. I think it's the medical term.
0: I'm pretty sure that it is not the technical term.
1: <laughs> well, I thought it's just how you describe it because it taint your balls and it taints your butt. So. Oh my. <laughs>
0: The technical term is the perineum, just so you know.
1: <laughs> perineum. Uh, Steven, I Real know, paranoid. but that word isn't as funny. I hate everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Okay, so I have to talk about Black Bolt for a minute because, yikes, you guys the I think are the
1: you worst. mean Black Black-Agar-Bolt Agar Boltigan? Black yes. Mr. Boltigan.
2: It's Mr. Boltigan to you.
1: The right honorable, <laughs> he is the king.
0: Please, Mr. Boltagun was my father's name. Call me Black. What the hell he... gosh.
1: He tries to explain that and obliterates everyone in the room. So here's
0: my... Th- <laughs> well, this is actually my point about Black Bolt. I feel like with Black Bolt, there's only one story that you can tell. Like, metatextually. It's the story where he gets his one word. Like, he gets one word in every story. Yeah. And that one word is the one where, like, he annihilates everything. Now, War of Kings, he actually gets two different words because he says goodbye once and then he says no once. But it's like, that's it. That seems to be all you can do with Black Bolt. And I'm sure there's got to be a way to make him more interesting. It
2: might be in a good book that features Black and Garbolt again. So, interestingly, Mm.
0: I know that uh, Saladin Ahmed uh, recently wrote a Black Bolt solo series and, like, I don't actually know how good it was because I haven't read it. I do like Ahmed, I've read some of his novels, or I've read one of his novels before and I really, really liked it. So I'm curious to read the Black Bolt series at some point, but unless I'm mistaken, one thing that this series uh, does is it puts Black Bolt in a situation where he can talk. Normally, without destroying everything. And so it allows the character to be explored in a different way. But it's also like, part of the appeal of Black Bolt is this fact that, like, it seems like an interesting constraint that should lead to some creative storytelling. Yeah. But the thing that it only ever leads to is the destructive, no!
1: Yeah.
2: And, and part, of, part of why I've always been interested in, in Black Bolt is because I really like the dynamic between him and Medusa.
1: Like, yes. I, think,
2: I think there's something super interesting about this guy who is, like, the king of this whole race of people that live on the moon. Who can't talk, because if he did, he would just destroy the moon. Um, but he has, like, his really ever-faithful, at, at least, you know, seemingly ever-faithful uh, wife, who's the one who understands him and speaks for him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's, there's, got, there's some interesting stories there. Like, there's gotta be... Not enough to
1: sustain a TV show, but yeah, I think there would be. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like they would like, I don't know. I think like if I got my voice back or able to use it without killing people, I'd spend the whole time going, okay, last week when i nodded at you, I didn't mean this. I need. I meant this and (laughs) you, you know, like,
0: yeah, I think there, I think there is something interesting though, to this idea that Black Bolt is the king and Medusa is the mouthpiece And are they, like, really in sync with each other to the point where Black Bolt doesn't need to speak? Or they've got some sort of, like, bond between them where she can just read his gestures and know what he's thinking? Or is she, like, twisting his words so that she's really ruling? Like, there's a lot of potential there. I'm sure that things get explored in other stories. War of Kings ain't got time for that.
2: (laughs) Ain't nobody got time for that.
1: yet. I wonder about that, because in movies all the time, the mob boss just looks at a henchman, and it's just a look. And that means, hey, go to that dude's house tonight and get under his mattress, and when he falls asleep, pop up out of nowhere with some garrote wire and kill him he might have meant hey make sure that he remembers his coat at coat check when he leaves this you know mobster (laughs) party like you gotta be really in sync with the boss to know that the the chin the chin little nod means one thing and the look means one thing and the hey take care of him means like you know take him out take him out and kill him and you know so I think Black Bolt has just really like maybe he does sign language when there's no one else around like except for like the inner circle you know when he's Mm -hmm. like okay guys we're gonna be. We gotta play it cool out there, and I'm just gonna sit there, like all all Agar Boltagini, and uh, <laughs> you know, pretend you know what I'm saying. But let's not give away that like we have to rely on a lot of text messages behind the scenes to get this straight. <laughs> Jesus.
0: <laughs> I just had this this mental conjuration of what Black Bolt's voice sounds like. And the first place my brain went was Gilbert Gottfried.
2: <laughs> oh, you know, I was, in my head, it was Nicolas Cage. Oh, that's, yours is better. <laughs> no, it's
0: not.
1: <laughs> I mean, I can't top either one of those, but. <laughs> but Maximus, get in here and clean this up. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> so who
0: wants to move on?
1: In defense yes. of Thor, the Mighty Thor, <laughs> imagine a train is coming in to the station, and rather than getting on the car that you're supposed to, you just jump on like the fifth one after that. That's what I did when I said, hey, let's read Mighty Thor number one.
0: Because
1: <laughs> uh, as we found out at Comic-Con, Jane Foster is going to become Thor, and
2: hold on though can I, can i say that we chose this book before we knew that was going to be a thing we're trendsetters we sure always. did
1: we are trendsetters
2: mhm mm-hmm. that was just
1: the the cosmos aligning just right and um, you know the ghosts of no, i don't want to i don't want to make anyone ghosts that's sad um
0: so, <laughs> so just to be just to be clear we are talking about mighty thor 2015 the 2015 series issues number 1 through 5 mighty not, thor not to be,
1: con- not to be confused just with any thor. other th- series that may have been read <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry
0: <laughs>
1: Mighty Thor deals with Jane Foster as Thor She has Mjolnir She has the powers of Thor When she is in her mortal form She has cancer Every time that she Takes up the hammer again She's all of her can- Her cancer doesn't go away But all of the negative effects of it Well I guess the cancer would go away It just comes back When she's in her mortal form And she has to go back to chemo so she's dealing with that, but we don't get a ton of that. We don't get a ton out of her speaking very much at all. She's very determined um, in the, f- the few things that she's passionate about with, with what's going on. Um, this is a continuation. I forget what other Thor comics were covered before this, but uh, Jane Foster has become Thor. Um, she is treated as a thief, a false Thor by most of Asgard and Odin and she is opposed to Odin. Jane Foster is a senator, a representative of the realms uh, for Midgard, for Earth, and so people know and respect her. Uh, don't know apparently that she is Thor. Stuff pots are being stirred. Stuff is going on. War is coming in the realms and uh, uh, Malekith is uh, starting a started a war with the dark elves and uh, with the light elves tricks his way into an arranged marriage with the help of the Enchantress. So he has basically taken over the elves. He has a dark council that includes Loki and Lofi, the frost giant. And they are going to start some stuff. They are going to get things get things going their way um, and try to take over the Ten Realm. Odin is determined that um, somehow his wife has wronged him and so she, he's put, trying to put her on trial. Um, Loki is back he's been gone and he's come back as young swarthy handsome tom hiddleston clone um it looks like and is sent to take out thor we find out that he was really his mother's spy on this dark council but maybe maybe he wasn't because he stabs her um
2: literally in the back
1: yeah literally in the back but doesn't kill her she's left alive but doesn't look good maybe because we Stopped at issue five. Because there's poison, maybe? Yeah, there's poison, so she is weakened. But that act stopped a fight between Odin and Thor, which Thor was doing pretty well, and Odin was saying, No, I'm Odin! You you shut up! Um, As they, you know, punched each other into the moons of Saturn and Jupiter. In that voice. This
2: was an audio book. you (laughs) you knock it out!
1: He, he who is worthy shall so wield the power of I'm Thor. I am the All Father. <laughs> My Norse is a little rusty. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> so we leave um, with it being established that Jane Foster is Thor. She's here to stay, and then we see that Thor, Odinson, Thor, Thor. We know is being held prisoner um, elsewhere by some. What does this say? Oh, just in the epilogue, it doesn't say doesn't really
0: say who's holding it
1: in a spaceshipy looking thing
0: yeah we do have a hammer there though that we can see yeah which uh if you remember from secret wars that's the hammer for ultimate thor
1: Uh uh-huh and
0: which i don't remember like i know that was a thing where they seeded that the ultimate thor's hammer had stayed in the main marvel universe And that the unworthy Thor, Odinson, was going to pick it up. I don't know if he picked it up already before this or not.
2: I thought it was just a hammer that looked like it. Because wasn't Ultimate Thor's hammer based off of Beta Ray Bill's hammer?
0: I don't recall exactly the design. I do remember that it had, like, the axe and the hammer part, like this one does.
1: Because Beta Ray Bill's does too, right? The axe and the hammer. Gosh,
0: you're asking about the minutiae of Njolniri.
1: And
2: Stormbreaker. Hey, hey, if we don't talk about the minutia, what sort of comic book podcast are we? One well, where we talk about
0: really obscure parts of anatomy. Apparently,
2: the paranoia. Every, everybody's.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. The paranoia. That is exactly the term.
1: <laughs> Today, I learned that Aldo read his anatomy book in school upside down. <laughs> I'm not trusting you to do an episiotomy on me, Aldo. That's all I'm saying.
2: Okay, I'm not going to do a peas in the body.
1: <laughs> You're like one of those bone apple teeth guys on, on, on live. <laughs> mm, made some lovely fillets for dinner. Bone apple teeth. <laughs> Steven's, Steven's cutting all this filth anyway, so we can say what we want.
0: Uh, I don't know. I'm either cutting it or naming the episode after it. No, don't do, do it. <laughs>
1: So let's talk about. Um, we didn't really talk about the art of the uh, War of Kings. I thought it was all right. I thought it was kind of standard, but not bad. I like this it house better. Style? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I, every week, every week, I'm like, oh, you know, and you go house style, and I go, yes, that's the one I was searching for. <laughs> this one, I thought there was some interesting paneling. I'm looking in the fifth issue, um, issues 11, 12, 13, as you know, wars in space are going on. Um, there's some cool panels that it's kind of like the effect of the negative zone in Superman 2 Where it's like a flat plane and you get like a little shot of what's going on over a bigger image I described that poorly
2: mm-hmm.
1: Okay, <laughs> Shut up jerks Go to page 12 of issue 5, that's is what I'm talking about But we get like, yeah, I don't know, I, like, I thought it was interesting I thought the uh, character designs, particularly of Thor, were cool
0: Oh, I my I love the design for 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 uh, Jane. I for some reason I was about to call her Jane Austen.
2: <laughs> you know she is my favorite Thor. She
0: uh, at least uh, visually,
2: yes. Yeah. Well, I meant Jane Austen is my favorite Thor. Oh yeah.
0: It is a truth universally acknowledged <laughs> that a man in possession of a great hammer must be in want yes. of worthiness. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> shall we go to Netherfield or shall we go to Asgard? Well, Asgard has all those hammers, but Netherfield has all of the lovely balls. <laughs> oh god. Is there good fishing at Netherfield? No, no, no. That's it. Uh that's it. Uh, oh crap, I can't remember the name of the, uh Pemberley. Oh yes.
0: Anyway, Jane Eyre Thor is my favorite visually. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually really embarrassing. Foster. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: We're just going to move through all of yeah, the Mighty
2: Brontes. I'm just going <laughs> to let you uh, I'm just going to let you swim your way out of this one. Uh. Jane
0: Foster as Thor has just <laughs> this wonderful character design though. It's so good.
1: I like this panel of her punching Odin in the face. <laughs> it's just rad. Mm. Um she I don't know, I want to see more for, this this is uh, this is a good comic because it makes me want to read more. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, I like the I like the writing. I like the art, and I I feel like it's worth backing up a couple years, and then easing into this story, and then seeing where it goes next because it it's setting up the the current event that it probably just ended or is, is yeah, it's, going on in War it's yeah um, Several years before, so that's pretty cool that like they were you know getting this ready.
2: So Jason Aaron's had this run for a while. He's been setting up the seeds for this for a long, pretty much since he since he first started writing. And
1: and Malakith like calls it War of Realms here, and this is years before the
2: actual you know uh, event. I mean, it's only a few years, but yeah, it seemed like a lot.
0: Yeah, still it he Aaron is definitely playing the long game here, and it shows.
2: Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where like, so I know I know I kind of, I, I almost, I feel like I almost crapped on uh, War of Kings for throwing you into the middle of something and and not really understanding the stakes or the characters involved. Um, but I think because we have Jane Foster Thor as kind of our primary character who's kind of in the middle of all this, she kind of helps to keep the story and the reader a little bit more grounded. She serves as a yeah. better guide for for what's going on. And it also helps that she's fairly, I don't want to say directly involved, but she's fairly involved in, in all of the, the political happenings that that are She's kind happening. of the point of tension
1: for stuff that's going on in Asgard because, mm-hmm. you know, she, she has the hammer, but not everyone is happy about that.
2: Yeah. I mean, granted, if this is like your first Thor book in like years, there's a lot of stuff here. Yeah. to like digest right like we have the fact that like there's like loki's been reborn and if you haven't been reading the comics or you don't know anything about the comics he's been reborn like over a dozen times
1: which they show by showcasing all the different designs of yeah loki over the years i i enjoyed that super actually cool. forgotten that it happened that was really cool i really yeah. liked that they did that yeah
2: so so you have that to like kind of digest then you have this whole thing with uh with I, the actual war of the realms, right? With, like, the, the Dark Elves and the Ice Giants and Asgard. And then you have this whole thing with uh, with Thor kind of being unworthy and just kind of not really being in the scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So you kind of have, like, quite a bit to digest. I mean, and this whole thing with Odin, who even in previous books, you know, is a fairly... He's fairly in, like... Is the word I'm looking for empathetic? sympathetic no like he relates to other people like he's nicer Oh,
0: then yeah, yeah he he's fairly no well, i would still say sympathetic i think
2: yeah anyways but like he's you know he's not a total you know douche wagon but in here <laughs> here he is <laughs> yeah like to the extreme so like i and, and so steven probably caught i mean he definitely caught this in the chat but i started reading the other thor book yesterday and i was like two issues in and I remember you reading something about it, like, being, like, in the middle. And I was like, wait a minute. This doesn't feel like in the middle. I feel like I'm at a pretty good starting point. So I went to go, like, update stuff. And, and uh, you know, today I asked, hey, what book was it supposed to be? Because the previous book, the one that's just Thor, that starts off this, this thing, gives you a lot more context to, to, you know, where Thor is at and how Jane became Thor. Um... Which, it's eight issues before the reboot that starts this series. And there's quite a bit of context there, even though... But, like, and even then, this doesn't feel like it necessarily requires that as much, since it's kind of holding your hand as you go through.
0: Yeah. I would say that it's only barely holding your hand, though. Like, there is obvious... This is very, very obviously not the place to start
2: yeah, right. if you
0: are going to read Jason Aaron Thor. Which, again, goes back to what I said earlier. If you're going to put a number one on the cover, it should be a starting place. This is not really a starting place. It's not bad. It's actually really good. It yeah. has a lot of those emotional payoff moments that uh, yeah. I don't think War of Kings had. Like, uh, when... Oh, man. So there's this bit, and I think it's issue three, where Jane Foster is like flying up to detonate these bombs before they wipe out the Light Elves.
1: Oh my gosh, and there are bats, uh, elf-riding bats, or bats, bat-riding elves holding bombs from Rock Sun Corporation. Holy crap.
0: Yeah, and, and the entire time, she's flying up there, and she's like, this is gonna kill me, I'm gonna die, but, like... This is what I do. I am the goddess of thunder. I like, it, it's such a good moment. Yeah. I love it so much. So even though, even though this isn't a good starting place, the character gets so many moments to just be the hero. Yeah. It works. And I love it a lot.
2: I think if your interest here really is like the war of the realms, you owe it to yourself to start like at the beginning of Jason Aaron's Thor run. hmm but i think i think if what you're in here for is is the new thor i feel like this is not the best starting point the best starting point would be you know the the previous series which was like only 8 issues long but i think if you're just in it for her i don't think this is that bad i really mm-hmm. don't
0: no oh, i agree
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, cuz it could have gone much much worse as it could have been, as, like, *World of the Kings. We got we got a <laughs> lady superhero, everybody. You know. Yeah. Like, I mean,
0: and it does have that. Like, that's that's not there. there. The whole point of this story is that nobody thinks that she should be Thor. And she's like, you know, she has to prove herself the whole time. Mm-hmm. So the whole, like, metatextual addressing the complaints of the people who are like, Thor isn't a woman. Like, that's not not there. Oh, it's right. Also, like,
2: like when Luffy meets her. Oh yeah, when Lockheed meets Her, I
0: think is when it's at its most explicit. But even when it's there, I'm like, no, I think this makes sense. This doesn't read like the, the comic is being defensive about what it is. It's, this is the arc that we are dealing with. And it wasn't just like a gimmick, and then she proved herself, and all the men are like, well, shucks, that lady sure knows how to fight. It's like, no, this is a deep issue woven into the fabric of the story, and it has been doing this for a long time before and it looks like it's going to keep going on afterwards.
2: There's a one of the things I noticed with this book is that really kind of does that, you know, winky face to the audience like a few times in the book. Um and and I don't know how I feel about it. Like it does not detract from it, but it also is pretty noticeable. And so there's like the part where Loki is talking to Jane and, and you know and bumps into Loffy and he's like this is the all new all different Thor yeah which is I hate an obvious books do that which is an obvious call out to like how their branding at the time yeah there's, I really hate it when the books do that yep yeah. and there's the whole thing with uh you know with kind of addressing her being being a, a you know female Thor even to the point where Loki when he's talking to Laffy and he's laughing he's like Loffy don't be a troll and it's like uh
0: <laughs> i like i don't hate it as much coming from Loki as i would if it were coming from anybody else but at yeah. the same time, I, I still hate it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't feel... It softens the blow, but Loki is, at least to me in the books I've read, it's not a fourth wall breaking character. No, I uh, agree.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And should... I don't think it should. I think Deadpool's the only one who's allowed to do that.
0: Deadpool, Gwenpool... Um, I think
2: even Spider-Man to a point. Spider-Man to a point.
0: I feel like there are other characters that can do it. I think even other characters that we've talked about in the podcast. But, um... Yeah, I don't know that it necessarily fits with Loki. It, it feels like something an editor is requiring, honestly. Yeah. You know what I don't hate? The art. Oh my gosh, this art is so good. It is it's very really good. really
2: good.
1: Yeah. So, it's
0: especially in the very, very first issues, I was getting something of a Frank Quitely vibe. Especially if you've read Grant Morrison's run on Batman, when oh, okay. Batman disappears and Dick Grayson takes over, and you get, like... That particular era, like the first arc there, has some of the best art I've ever seen in a superhero comic. And this feels comparable to it. I'm not familiar with the artist Russell Dotterman And I'm not sure if the credit for what I really like goes to him or if it goes to the letterer. But, I mean, this is a Thor comic. It has to play with the sound effects. And it does it so well. Just as an example, uh, issue 4... We're getting to the end of it. Issue 4, page 14.
2: I think you, mean, is this... I think you mean Issue Thor. Issue Thor. Issue Thor, that is correct. Yeah? Issue, issue Thor, Thor
0: number 13, page thirteen.
1: <laughs>
2: thirteen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> read, that where...
1: on, read that on Thursday.
0: <laughs> I actually think I did read it on Thursday. <laughs> this is where Freya is on trial. She's standing before Odin. And Odin slams his scepter into the ground. And it cracks around the impact of the scepter. And the yeah. cracks make the sound effect word Kroom. <laughs> Yeah, like that was a trick that that Frank quietly had in those Batman books. I loved it there. I love it here. I love it so much.
2: So like, so one of, one of my favorite like sound effects in this book actually is from like the fifth issue, um, and it's when Loki stabs Freya, and it her scream is like it's done like a sound effect, not like a speech bubble. Uh huh. Um, but it's this. Oh gosh. Re- it's this really scratchy, bright red, like, arg, and it contrasts with, like, the green background that's happening. Like, it's all really well done.
0: Oh, gosh, it's so good.
2: Yeah. It's
0: disturbing and really good. hmm Um, but also, like, I like the des- I-, I already just kind of lost my ability to express thoughts when talking about, uh, <laughs> I almost said Jane Austen again. <laughs> Jane, <laughs> the
1: English Thor design,
0: major. the character design for Thor. I love the character design for Jane Foster. Like, I love the way that she looks. Like, it's it's hard to, like, look powerful when you are as sick as the character Jane Foster is. Yeah. And actually, I think it helps, like, when I uh, say that this book reminds me of Frank Quitely, it helps that one of the first images we see of Jane Foster, uh, she looks a bit like Cassandra Nova, from Grant Morrison's run on X-Men, which was drawn by Frank Quitely. Very, like, skinny, emaciated, bald woman. Um, But at the same time, the way uh, Jane Foster comports herself, like, the way she's drawn, especially... When she is fulfilling her role as senator, or even when she's just walking down the street to pick up the hammer, she's designed in a way that is very attractive—not like in a in a lecherous sense, but in a sense that she's like well put together. She's well composed, even in this terrifying illness. She has dignity, and I love that.
1: There's visual appeal, if not not in the traditional sense you would get for a, a female character in a comic.
0: Right, and. Just even, again, going beyond the art and back to sort of the, the plot itself, the fact that, like, the high concept, Jane Foster is a superhero, but she also has cancer. And every time she turns into her superhero form, the effects of the medicine that is treating her cancer, like, is erased. Mm-hmm. That's so good. It is so good, it actually kind of makes me angry, because, like, it's it's perfect. It's the perfect high concept for a superhero story. Every time you save the world, you die a little bit more. It's so good.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, and, and I think in the sticking to the, de- you know, talking about the design, I think it's... I think one of the things I love about this artist and the way he's drawing Thor is that, like, you know, you pointed out when she's when she's human, she's sick. She's, like, pale. She's skinny. she's She looks like she is on the literal verge of death, right? But when she turns into Thor, like not only does she become like beautiful, like in a traditional sense, but she is like muscular. She is beefy. Like she's not like a like a like a pin up Thor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She is a Thor that happens to be a woman. Right. And has a bullet for a helmet. Um <laughs> But uh but that's one of the things that like I really like about the first cover, where it's her like in this in this white, like this little drastic white, and she's so minuscule and small in the in kind of the the scope of the cover itself. Mm-hmm. But like her Thor version, you know, the, the muscles that are holding the hammer and like all the stuff that's happening around her, like it's good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then we gotta get to the title. I don't normally talk about the titles of these stories, but uh, this arc was collected in trade under the title Thunder in Her Veins. Huh. Oh, it's so good. Because again, it's all about her, it, it covers both aspects of her character the superhero component, who is the literal god of thunder, and also the chemotherapy that is thunder in her veins that is killing the cancer and also killing her. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Which makes, again, it's, it's frustrating because this is not a good jumping on point. Yeah. But there's so much good stuff in here, you want it to be a good jumping on point.
2: It's, and you know, and to, and to be fair, it's not a good jumping on point in, you know, perhaps like in a literal sense. But it's a good enough starting point that it hooks you. I mean, and it did it work. It worked interested. on us. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the funny thing is, so we chose this book, I think maybe a, like a couple weeks after I was asking if anybody else had read the Jason Aaron, you know, Thor run, because I've been pretty interested in reading up because of the War of the Realms mm-hmm. stuff that's been happening. Yeah. Um, And I haven't. I still haven't started it. But after reading this, I'm like, I'm, no, I'm not going to say infinitely, but I'm way more interested than I was before
0: it's like jason aaron is pushing all of the right buttons for thor i i used to think thor was a character i didn't really care about until i read walt simonson Mm -hmm. and i'm getting very similar vibes even though we're dealing with technically a different version of the character thor here yeah like i i like this as much as i like walt simonson's thor from what i've read of both stories and that's as high a praise as i can give anything. No, it feels
1: like this is like this is a run that you need to pay attention to. you know, like this is one that is worth reading every tie in like, you know, all like everything leading into this story and you know, into the big event coming after, but
2: so Jason Aaron, we've read some of his other stuff before. Yeah. He wrote Last Days of Magic from Doctor Strange, and that was coming out at the same time as this book. They came out in the same year. Oh really? Yeah, they're both twenty fifteen titles. So I just wanna I just wanna throw a little credit out to Jason Aaron. I just want just want I think the man deserves a little bit more credit. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well content- I mean I think he is one of Marvel's superstar writers currently. If not currently then like uh recent history. Yeah. You know, he's Well good. I mean they,
2: they let him pretty much architect the uh like the whole Thor universe for like the last few years. And And I think, and I think, when you consider the popularity of Thor in the movies and the mainstream, I think it's a little bit of note to say that they've let him architect that, right? I think fifteen years ago, if you let somebody architect Thor, it's kind of like a, all right, cool, whatever.
0: Well, Straczynski did. Yeah. And I'm not sure anybody really cared. Maybe they did. I don't know.
2: (laughs) But you know, I didn't. (laughs) But when you consider that, like in the last ten years, Thor is now like a popular. Like people know who he is. Outside of like actual Norse mythology, like it, I yeah. think it's, I, I you know I think it's uh, worth note. You know my main my main Jason here deserves some credit.
0: Oh, we've read four like three stories by Jason Aaron. Three? Yeah, he we he wrote. So we've read uh, the Doctor Strange story by Jason Aaron. We read Thor's, and oh, he also cool. did the Vader Down story.
1: There you go. Dang! There's a couple of people who like have really put their stamp on a on a particular character. I think Dan Slott with Spider-Man is one, and
2: obviously Jason Aaron with Thor. Um, also, all those books came out in the same year. Gosh, he's a hard worker. You. Know, the other thing I appreciate is that, with the exception of the breast-shaped breastplate, um, she wears. The clothing they gave her is totally believable for Thor to be wearing. Right. Like, it's not like sexy Thor Halloween costume. Well, even
0: even the boob plate is not necessarily a bad thing, because if you have, like, if you are large-breasted, you need space in your armor. <laughs> okay. You but just do.
1: Su- support
2: me, but it doesn't need to wrap around it perfectly.
0: I mean, its it does look a little bit like it's stretched fabric, which I don't like that as much, but it's better than having it shaped like two individual breasts where you get the point in the middle, so if That's anybody fair. ever actually hits you in the chest, it actually is like driving a chisel into your sternum. Could it's slightly with, could better be bat, designed Could be than... bat nipples <laughs> I mean, bat nipples are aesthetically displeasing But at least they won't kill you if you get punched in the chest well, know, On a cold
2: day, they might I feel <laughs> like you and I have different opinions about bat nipples <laughs> <laughs> I think they're visually pleasing Oh gosh
0: Alright, do we have any other comments on this book? Um, I really like
2: the covers Covers are solid
0: the f- I don't think it gets better than issue one But none of them are bad
2: No I think issue one really stands out. i pretty fond of issue two as well. At first glance, it kind of looks like it was Loki wielding the hammer. Um, but then when you look at it for more than a second, you're like, oh, that's a point of view shot.
1: I like the one in poster, the false door poster. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, cover the third cover where she's, you know, seeing a reflection of all of her uh, enemies. There's good. So I don't know. Yeah. It's just solid like, work all around. All of the
0: covers are good. Since we haven't mentioned it yet, I'm just going to go ahead. When she's facing off against Odin on the cover of issue 5, and she is reflected in Odin's gold eye patch thing. Yeah. It's all good. And there's yeah. little but,
2: pink petals or something. Or is that blood? It looks like petals.
0: I, it looks like flower petals.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. neat.
0: Also, the the logo is really good, where the, the, the head of the, the hammer is the O, oh, and the handle of the hammer is the crossbar on the H.
1: Yeah,
2: the Mjolnir? I think
0: meolnir. Meow meows. Meow 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 meow. Here's the thing. My cat is actually named Meow meows.
1: Uh, ah. Is it spelled M J O uh, L N I R?
0: <laughs> Very good. No, it is spelled meow meows. Uh, that's the name he came with from the animal shelter, and doesn't answer to it anyway. So why bother?
2: Yeah, since we're already talking about this, man, I hope cat thatnings comes back for Thor four.
0: Oh man, I hated Cat Dennings.
2: I love her. We're gonna. Get I think
0: married.
1: when used <laughs> <laughs> when used correctly, yes. Um, but I I watched a minute of Two Broke Girls and I was like, oh, this is the worst thing in the world, and never again. So
0: I I want to be clear that I hated Cat Dennings in the Thor movies. I got nothing against her personally, or even as a performer. I just didn't like the character they wrote for her. Although. I think she would work better under the direction of Taika Waititi. Because everyone
1: everyone would? Because he's amazing? Well, I think
0: part of the problem is I think those first two Thor movies were going for the operatic scale that we've gotten from the Thor stories that we've read. Yeah. Uh, And Kat Dennings doesn't fit that tonally. But she could fit tonally better with Taika Waititi.
2: It's almost like it's a contrast in settings and writing and characters.
0: Almost. (laughs) All right. Are we ready to rank?
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. So... Pulling up our list, number one, we currently have Ms. Marvel, No Normal. Number 60? Is it 60?
2: It's
0: 60. Number 60, The Evil That Men Do.
2: Puh. This <laughs> book This book it is The Evil really That Men Do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was real bad. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's talk first about War of Kings. <sighs>
2: mm, yeah, I want to put this like, I don't think it's, I, you know, I don't think it's that bad. If I had the context of everything, but I don't. So my gut instinct is to put it right below Vader Down and above Sweet Christmas.
1: That's
0: around where I was looking, and I, I'm i having a hard time saying that's the wrong place for it.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at all the ones above that, and I would read those again before, so yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, that's like the easiest decision yeah. we've ever made.
1: Yeah, let's just put it in there at uh, position 40 yep. and move on.
0: Well, it's going to get knocked down to 41 here in a minute because I'm almost positive that Thunder in Her Veins goes higher. Ah, uh, yeah. So I'm, my, the first place I'm going is Beta Ray Bill. Because again, Simonson Thor, Aaron Thor, I think they're comparable, but I don't think this is as good. So I think it goes a little bit lower than that. But I mean, we're, we're in the top 20 right now. I'm not sure how much lower than that it goes. What do you guys think?
1: I think it goes at twenty four. I'm just dang it. I don't know because there's potential there, but based on that
2: story, I kind of have a problem with putting it above Karnak and What If Magic.
1: Yeah,
0: I I, I think I agree. I, I think it definitely goes lower than that.
2: And I think it's
1: above Galaxy's Best Detective at twenty five. Okay.
0: I th- yeah, I think I agree with that. I keep forgetting that we read Galaxy's Best Detective. I liked it, but we had I don't it a long remember. Time ago. I know it was a long time yeah. ago. Okay, so I think here, here's part of my rationale. Would I give someone Spider men to read as a first comic or Thunder in Her Veins as a first
1: comic? They both have the same problem. There's mm-hmm. years and years of storytelling that really helps you appreciate what they're doing. You know, they're mm-hmm. changing up an existing character in an interesting way that works better for a modern reader. And so, uh, I. Th- the- I get why you're using that as a comparison to help rank them, but I think it's the same problem, and that doesn't really help Mm -hmm, us, because it's like, well, eh, here's this comic you should read, but also here are 20 years' worth of trades that you should really (laughs) read first. Mm. So there's
0: there's a part of me that thinks that Spider-Man has the edge, and you guys can correct me if I'm off base here, but I think Spider-Man has the edge, first of all, because I think Peter Parker has more cultural penetration. Oh yeah. Than Jane Foster does.
1: Yeah, he's all up in there, the culture.
0: <laughs> That's the term, Aldo. I don't care. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man. Anyways, I'm an adult. I pay bills. <laughs> right.
0: Actually, that may not be the right term. I just looked up cultural penetration, and <laughs> it means something different. Anyways. <laughs> it still doesn't mean anything that should make you giggle.
1: Whatever, we're me tooing our audience right now. Oh, gosh,
0: seriously. <laughs> we did, mm. But anyway, people know Spider-Man. Yeah. People know Peter Parker. Yeah. And I feel like Spider-Men, like, even though there's so much backstory to it, I still feel like it was more approachable as a first story because it's it's not that different from the status quo it's like oh there's a spider man in another dimension okay as opposed to wait there's a completely different thor but the other thor is still around but he's not thor anymore yeah Yeah. also what's this what's what's this oil company doing dropping bombs on elves
2: yeah but but at the same time though in 2012 this is the time before um you know spider-verse and tom holland and all this stuff in 2012, I don't think anybody was really all that acclimated to the ultimate universe. So you still have to deal with, like, oh, that Peter Parker's dead, but this one isn't. But also, Gwen Stacy is, I guess, still alive. But also, Mary Jane is a goth now.
0: I mean, they've been and- doing alternate universes in speculative fiction since Leonard Nimoy grew a goatee. <laughs>
2: You I know, don't I think could, that. Concept... I could use that same argument against uh, against you, Stephen. You know? <laughs> but but <laughs> I do. But I chose is, not to.
0: <laughs> but my point is that Thor is not like it's not an alternate universe, mm-hmm. right? It's it's like it's this very peculiar quirk of the character where the person inhabiting the title it's not just a title that's Thor. But the other person is still their own individual who doesn't have the, the statuses of God of Thunder anymore. Like, it's a little bit harder to wrap your head around. Um, and again, there are just so many moving parts that are all important. Roxon is important. You've got Malekith and all of the stuff with the Dark Elves. You've got Laufey and Loki and, and their relationship. You've got the Enchantress. Who's the Enchantress if you don't know Thor. Yeah. yeah. The enchantress still but, hasn't appeared in the movies. Yeah, yeah,
2: but also but but I feel like okay, so what one of the things one of my problems I have with the argument is I feel like you're putting a lot of value on actual Thor instead of new Thor and actual Thor doesn't show up until like the end of the book. It's kind of a You're right. it's kind of a, right, a twist.
0: But I mean, also Thor is a character from historical mythology who has traditionally been male. Why are they portraying Thor as a female here? Obviously, it's something that they're doing deliberately because all of the characters in universe are upset about this. Yeah, uh, like I'm not saying any of this necessarily makes the book worse. I do think it makes it less approachable for a new reader.
2: Okay, I think if you if you talk about it on those terms, I. I have a hard time. I, I still I feel like Spider Man is a celebration of two different franchises, right? Kind of coming together after you know so many years, and I feel like it's kind of implied that you do that, and so it doesn't really hold your hand, at least from what I remember. Whereas this book, even if it's holding you by the pinky as you're like in the middle of a, of a you know a Black Friday rush, um, it still <laughs> tries. So so I don't know. My opinion is would. You know, my gut feeling is that Spider-Man would be above this. But that's also because I think Spider-Man should be ranked higher in... Period. <laughs> uh, but I'd be, you know, I'd be... Considering where Spider-Man is, I feel like... My problem with this is I feel like, you know, Thunder Her Veins is a better book than Finely Woven Thread and Squirrel Power and even Gifted. Hmm. Even though all of those are significantly better starting points.
0: I'm going to make the same argument here that I have made with a lot of other stories. I have a hard time believing that this is the best part of the Jason Aaron run on Thor.
2: Mm-hmm. That's fair.
0: And therefore, I think that this particular component of the story is going to go lower than other parts of the story. So I'm actually, like, I'm, I'm still arguing for this to go below Spider-Man, above the galaxy's best detective, because I think there are going to be other elements like other parts of the story are going to come in later that are going to be better that are going to go higher and we're going to feel better about it yeah
1: that's i agree because i think you know all these that we're looking at spider-man wolverine gifted um all of those work better as a story you know for looking at just the stories because we Mm -hmm. this is very clearly like a middle piece or an early on piece and it over yeah, this is like long... chapter 3. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, 25, that seems like a good spot.
2: Yeah, this is this is reading Harry Potter but like he's already in Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I You like yeah. you're jumping in right at the the Halloween feast and you're not even getting the ride on the Hogwarts Express. Right. <laughs> Just in case we weren't nerdy before, we're definitely definitely we we I don't know how big of uh, you know, I don't know if you guys are muggles or what. I am not.
2: I'm a Ravenclaw.
1: Me too. Hey. Steven's probably a Ravenclaw. Are you a Ravenclaw, Steven?
0: Um, I am not affiliated with that school. They're elitist and they don't care about the needs of the common men. So
1: sounds like a real Hufflepuff to me.
2: Sounds uh, sounds like somebody that want to go to Pottermore to sign up. Yeah, mm. sounds like he's
1: uh, you know one of those Ilvermorny students with stupid names.
2: <laughs> his parents were probably magical, but he probably doesn't have any powers. Mm. Uh,
1: homeschool. Huh? Mm. <laughs> he probably can't even expelliarmus to save his life.
2: Mm.
0: All right, so this book goes in at number twenty-five jerks. <laughs>
1: Also, I wrote down um, oil company dropping bombs on elves as the next great idea for a Hallmark holiday movie. <laughs> I mean, it's already
0: been a Weird Al song, basically. You know, oh, that yeah, kinda, that's true. That
2: kind of looks like, you know, it almost looks like, like the cover to a heavy metal uh, yeah. CD.
1: Yeah. Guar I think, probably has something similar. <laughs> or some group of the like, you know. I mean, what is Gwar. Guar, what, what is it good for? You guys seen? Have you guys seen Empire Records? <laughs> no. Well, there's a band called Guar. I'm
0: familiar with Guar.
1: And a uh, one of the guys, Ethan Embry, is eating some brownies that they just say that they have extra sugar in them. I believe it's actually contains some other substance. And the music video that he's watching starts to talk to him. They're like, hey, Mark, you love Guar. Why don't you join the band? And then it's him in the music video playing guitar. And they're like, you play a mean guitar, dude. It's really a shame that you must die. And then a big, like, uh, Little Shop of Horrors type plant, like, eats him on stage. And he's watching all of this happen. And he just chuckles. It's pretty, it's a pretty funny scene.
0: Okay, so for our next episode. hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We in like we kind of already started with our celebration of Marvel Phase 4 inadvertently by reading a bit of Jane Foster Thor. We're going to actually continue that trend now that we know that it's happening. <laughs> so we picked two books to, to look at to help us to understand characters that have been announced to be parts of the Marvel Universe going forward, but are perhaps a little bit lesser known. So we are going to read the 2006 Eternals miniseries. Written by Neil Gaiman. And we are also going to read Heroes for Hire, which, uh, again, 2006 miniseries. Oh, not miniseries, this was the start of an ongoing. 2006, issues 1, 2, and 3. It's a Civil War tie-in, and it does feature the character Shang-Chi.
2: It's also called Taking It to the Streets. <laughs> Taking
0: it to the streets.
2: And so Eternals
1: was 2006 as well.
0: Yes, they're both from 2006. We're talking Civil War tie-ins, both of them, actually, to some extent. So we're going back to that good old age when John and I both started reading comics again.
1: Yep. Ah, uh,
2: back when I was learning how to drive. <laughs> and getting into comics.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Aldo, does that mean you're turning 30 soon, or are we already passed that point?
2: Oh, soon. <gasps> I'm, I'm on, I have, I have a year left. Before it's a sad day 3-0. It's
1: a sad day when your Tums moves from your bathroom To your bedside table It's a sad oh, day.
2: Well I'm a drinker so they've always been at my bedside table Ah uh,
1: okay well Then then you're fine
2: Yeah and after reading the evil that men do They've gained a permanent place there <laughs> They're in a holster oh,
1: I can whip them out like Wyatt Earp
2: <laughs> you read a book so bad It gives you heartburn Yeah
0: so let's let's do a little bit of back matter. We got a little bit of time, I think, on this recording uh, announcement. At San Diego Comic Con, Phase Four. Phase Four is Phase Four is coming. We are getting a Black Widow movie, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier yes. series on Disney an Eternals movie, Shang Chi is coming,
2: Master of Kung Fu. Shang-Chi and The
0: Legend of the Ten
1: Rings. Let's pray it's better than Iron Fist, because that could have been amazing and... Ugh.
2: So I'm really hoping that they... that they retcon the, ret- the retcon and Ben Kingsley is actually... <laughs> in charge of the Ten Rings.
0: No, they have actually cast the Mandarin for that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't remember the actor's name. He's not someone I'm familiar with. Uh, Hold on, I'm looking it up.
1: Tony Chuai Liang. And I'm sure the pronunciation on that was butchered terribly. He is from Hong Kong and is in a lot of movies that uh, I don't know anything about because they're made in other countries. Hmm. Yeah. Like
2: China. Um,
0: Yeah. China. Uh, That is nice, though. I actually like that they are taking, you know, this character that... I'm not as familiar with Shang Chi as I am with Iron Fist, so like I don't know that he was necessarily designed to cash in on like the the martial arts craze of the '70s. But it is nice that you know they are taking a story that draws heavy influences from Asian culture and they're actually casting Asians in it. Finally, yeah, um, that like that is pretty nice. Um, I do like that they're using the Mandarin. I'm uh, I'm concerned. Because I think the Mandarin is a hard character to do in 2019.
1: Well, you don't do it uh, as traditional. <laughs>
2: yeah, hey, man. You, you know, just think about how they did the Ancient One. Absolutely no controversy in that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Absolutely controversy free.
1: Uh, the actor who played the Mandarin was in Hero, he was Broken Sword, he was in Internal mm. Affairs, which is what they based The Departed off of, if I'm not mistaken. I've
0: seen Hero. I don't remember it very well, but I've definitely seen it.
1: It is. Um, there's a couple. Hero is the good, jetly, fearless. Is the one that's not as good as Hero. Hero is when it's like told in different parts, and he's retelling his his tale of how he hunted all the bad guys to the emperor. And each time he tells part of the tale, he gets to sit a little closer because he's you know bringing in bounties, and um, then then realizes that like he's he's coming for the emperor. I think that's how.
2: But, uh, but yeah, and so, yeah, and then, like, 2021 is, like, when Marvel Phase 4 really kicks into high gear. Because 2021 has three movies and four Disney Plus series. Mm-hmm. That is gonna be a busy year.
0: Yes, four, oh, yeah, Shang-Chi, well, shang is a movie, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And that's coming out in 2021. Yes. So, it's got, oh, wait, what if, okay, I'm misreading this, I'm looking at the, the graph. So, 2021 has Shang-Chi... And then it's got WandaVision, which guys, I'm actually kind of really interested in
1: WandaVision. I think I think if they if it's anything similar to the Visions um, limited issue, like the twelve issues um, where it's Vision like makes a family and goes out to live in the sub, like it, that was amazing. Oh, gosh. But it's horrifying. Yeah, but uh, it's the stupidest name for a TV show ever. And I used to watch Two Guys a Girl in a Pizza Place. <laughs>
0: I'm actually hoping it's a little bit like the, I think, contemporaneously to the Vision series. There was a Scarlet Witch series that was just like an art jam, basically. Scarlet Witch goes to a location, deals with some sort of supernatural happenstance, and they just get a murderer's row of talented artists to have their takes on the characters. Somebody's lighting off fireworks close to my house. I hope my microphone's not
2: picking that up. It's
1: a. It's probably the baseball game. I don't don't know. No, I. I
2: got. I got the fireworks also. Oh. Like on. Like I have fireworks near my apartment or my house.
0: We're recording this on the 23rd of July in Utah. The 24th of July is actually a state holiday, so. It's like a watered down.
1: It's like a watered-down 4th of July. It's
2: 2nd 4th of July. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. Have you never heard of 2nd 4th of July? (laughs) It's like when you go
1: to, like, Friends of the Family on Boxing Day and you kind of do presents, but it's like, (laughs) you know, it's like uh, Walgreens kind of toys, you know. Sorry, (laughs) is is that too specific an example? Am I parting the curtain too much? Anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm personally very excited for WandaVision. But then... In May of 2021, we get Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Oh,
1: yeah, with Scarlet Witch. The show WandaVision is going to lead into it.
2: It's going to have it's going to have Scarlet Witch, it's going to have Nightmare, and it's what Marvel says is going to be like their first horror themed movie. So it's still not going to be scary, so it'll be perfect for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I'm not really interested in it until I get to the part of the title where it says In the Multiverse of Madness. I'm like, this title is nuts, and I'm curious. I'm more curious about it than I would have been if it were just Doctor Strange 2. Yes. Like, that's that's a great title is what I'm saying.
1: Yes. It'll be interesting to see what they do now that they've, like, conquered the universe, because I'm good. Like, if we don't get any more, uh, like, big, huge event movies or whatever, like, I would be okay.
0: I actually think I would be, too. I don't know that they need to do it very often anymore. Yeah,
1: I. yeah. I think these long-form, like, if they really put their backs into it and get, like, some really good, you know, TV done, like, how cool could the Winter Soldier and Falcon show be if it was, like, you know, well-produced, expensive episodes and they, like, got some great talent in there? They could really get into those characters and, and give them their dues, you know?
2: So, yeah, and I mean, Disney Plus already has a record for putting money into stuff. Like I think the Mandalorian, I think oh. each episode, I think each episode was at least like one and a half million dollars. I'm
1: excited. That's like Game of Thrones
2: money. Yeah, um, but you know, hopefully with competent writers. Yeah, <laughs> I've not no, seen no any no of no Game this on Thrones, season eight. But yeah, I'm I'm just going off of what other people say. Yeah, um, yeah. The thing that has me excited about season or not season phase four. Is that even though they kind of dabbled a little bit with like weird. With like Thor Ragnarok, Guardians (laughs) of the Galaxy, and Doctor Strange. Phase 4 really feels like the weird phase.
0: I'm excited about that too. Thor Love and Thunder. Thor Love and Thunder.
2: I mean, Um, I'm simply sold just on Multiverse of Madness and What If.
0: Yeah. What If is, I like, What If could be the perfect distillation of what... Comics media should be, or it could just be like, I don't know, Quantum Leap or something, which is not bad, but we've had it, you know.
2: Yeah, I kind of want it to just be not like in the same like thematic sense, but just an anthology series, kind of like Black Mirror but for Marvel.
0: What if Marvel but Twilight Zone?
2: Yeah.
1: Oh
0: yeah, no, that'd be great.
1: Yeah. I'd do totally you think it's gonna be? Do you think it's gonna be something more than just? Little hints and call-outs to moments in the movies that we all love, so it's just playing on our nostalgia. Cause what what do they do in the what if comics? I've never read those except for the what I mean, if you Magic have... became the source. Yeah. That's the only one it's... I've read.
2: So I mean That's uh, a... it's a lot of a lot of that.
0: Basically mm-hmm. it takes a like prominent events from Marvel Comics and imagines what would happen if the event played out differently. Yeah. So like there was a what if comic that I remember from when I was a kid. What if Punisher became Captain America? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah,
2: so I, so I feel yeah, like great. I feel like we might get you know some stuff like that. I think some of the stuff that'll be interesting, and assuming they get the actors for it or or something, I think we might see stuff like, what if Steve Rogers became the Winter Soldier, or that type of stuff. Hmm. That's
0: or what if Bucky Barnes became Captain America? Instead That's implied, Stephen. This is the other part of <laughs> most what if stories, though, is that the twist is not hard to see coming. Oh yeah. Like, so if there were a comic that said, what if Bucky became Captain America, like that was made today, you know, then Steve Rogers would have like signed up for the military and he would have been the one that turned into the Winter Soldier. Like that's the twist. And you see it coming because they're kind of obvious unless they're not. And those are the ones that are really special. Like what if magic that we read?
2: Right. Yeah.
0: So I don't know. This series could go either way, but regardless, it's definitely attention (laughs) grabbing. Yeah. You know what else is attention grabbing? That Hawkeye logo. I was gonna say the Loki logo. Oh, but for your, yours, is, <laughs> yours is better because the Hawkeye logo is attention grabbing in like a way that piques my interest because it's it's the Matt Fraction Hawkeye logo. Yeah, and
1: Kate Bishop's gonna be a main character. That's kind of do, it's do Apparently, you know? it's gonna take, yeah, it? take place. Yeah, it's <laughs> gonna take place while he's Ronin and he's training a new Hawkeye. I guess. I really want it to be like he's in a rough patch on his marriage and he has to move into a bad neighborhood in Brooklyn. (laughs) And it's just, like, shot for shot. I don't even care. It's got to be different because it's
2: You know, and then you get a whole whole episode from the point of view of a dog. Oh, how good would that be? It would be amazing.
1: If they could at least nail the tone of it and without, like, being too slavish to the source material, you know? At the same time, though, it's amazing. That's
2: story, honestly, sure. that's honestly my only worry with it. Is they're they're really kind of calling back to that Matt Fraction run, which has a significantly different tone than yeah. the Hawkeye in the movies has had. Yeah, especially
0: Hawkeye as Ronan. Right. Because yeah. if this takes place while Hawkeye is Ronan, he's not going to be in a rough spot with his marriage because his wife got snapped. Right. Yeah.
2: It's. I, I am curious. Did you did you, have you heard that in an interview already, or the uh, whole Kate Bishop thing? I forget. Um, I, can't, I do feel I like the Kate Bishop thing
0: has been confirmed. Like, I've heard this too from, from reading just press about it. I don't have a, a concrete source. What I don't know is the Ronin thing.
2: Uh, checking now. Like, the Black Widow thing, apparent Because, like, Black Widow and WandaVision are both movies with characters that are now dead. Series based on the Marvel Comics superhero Hawkeye, centering on the
1: adventures of young Avenger Kate Bishop, who took on the role after the original Avenger Clint Barton.
2: Okay.
0: Hmm. And Black Widow is also going to feature someone who is going to be playing Yelena Belova, who is the second Black Widow.
1: Yelena Belova?
0: Yeah.
2: I, I, I don't want to be that guy, but I feel like I'm a little less excited now.
0: <laughs> okay, We before we... We've got a lot of these things to like talk about, just first impressions of. Um,
2: Can I... So, so a couple of things is they also confirmed Blade is in the works. It's probably not going to be Phase 4.
0: No, most likely Phase 5.
2: Yeah, as, as the same thing with Fantastic Four and X-Men. They've confirmed stuff in the oven for, for all those. They got to they gotta wait on X-Men. I think they need to yeah. really wait. I, yeah. I think the thing that makes me a little sad about it, though, is every new bit of news about X-Men being owned by Marvel just confirms even harder... That we will never see New Mutants.
0: Yeah, that's probably true.
2: Which, that could have been a good movie.
0: I was curious about it. Yeah. I was really curious about it.
2: Really? I don't like horror movies, and I was 100% down for that.
0: You know what I'm 100% down for, though? What? Mahershala Ali.
2: Heck yes. Yeah, Prince Ali. Mahershala (laughs) Ali. He is
1: now Blade. He was he was only okay in Luke Cage. Uh,
0: he was the best part of Luke Cage.
1: But then they killed him off because Yuck. they can't write a plot because <laughs> it got worse as it went along.
2: Mahersla and please don't Ali. think about Green Book. Don't take a look.
1: <laughs> Watch Moonlight instead. I think he was nominated. <laughs>
0: okay.
2: Was he in
0: Moonlight? Yeah, yeah, he was. Okay. You know what else he was in? What? Spider-Verse.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was Uncle Aaron.
0: He was the Prowler. Prowler.
1: Man, that movie's good. Holy crap. Wait, did you guys see Far From Home? Yes. Yeah. We talked about it
2: last episode. We had a whole podcast on it.
1: That was was many, many sleepless hours ago. Come on.
2: (laughs) Not a whole pop that. I mean, we should have.
0: The thing that's really cool to me about Mahershala Ali getting cast... Is that name? For one thing... Yeah, for one thing, I finally learned how to pronounce it correctly. (laughs) Um because that's how they pronounce it in the announcement. Um but also apparently Ali got into the movies because he called Kevin Feige and said, "Hey, I want to be in a Marvel movie. Can I be Blade?"
1: And Kevin Feige was like, uh, of course because I'm not an idiot. Uh an, an actor of your caliber wants to be in a movie then yeah."
2: Yeah, I think part of it was also that he had just won the Oscar for Green Book, um yeah. regardless of the controversy around that. And I think even, you know, Kevin Feige, you you know, you gotta respect that. Man, Kevin Feige has just been on top of the game for the last 10 years. Yeah, I mean, like, there are things to
0: criticize about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't think the casting is one of them. Nope. No. Like, I don't know if I can name a single character who's actually been miscast. Yeah. Maybe some of the villains.
1: Well, the, vill- the, the villains they've had problems with because, you know, they've been a couple of great ones and a lot of lackluster kind of just... You know.
2: Edward Norton.
0: I actually liked Edward Norton as the Hulk. He's not as good as Mark Ruffalo, but he was good. Like, I have no problems with Edward Norton as the Hulk. Uh, I think my biggest problem with any of the casting is Lee Pace as Ronan the Accuser. Because oh, that's, that's a, a waste of your Lee Pace. Is. He's I think, really good. I think my
2: biggest criticism with, you know, with the Marvel Universe will always be the villains. And... Except except Loki,
1: Loki, Thanos, uh, Kingpin.
2: You know what, though? Even Thanos, I wouldn't count. Yeah, actually, Thanos isn't... I mean, I don't think Thanos is great. Thanos is alright, but really... He's
0: fine in Infinity War and nowhere
2: else. And he's not really recurring. He appears in two movies. Um, I will
0: include Killmonger. I really like Killmonger. And I also have a soft spot for Ego
2: as a villain. It sure is a shame they killed him off in the movie. I Seriously. think that Zemo, Zemo is
1: coming back for the Winter Soldier and uh, uh, Falcon move uh, show, and he's one of the rare villains who, like, did it. He he got what he was after, you know?
0: Zemo, to me, in Winter Soldier, func- or excuse me, in Civil, Civil War, War, functions more as, like, I don't know, what's the evil duplicate alternate universe version of a
2: MacGuffin?
1: MacGuffin. He's like...
2: <laughs> well,
0: Stephen.
1: Gamuffin? Is it
2: is it really a MacGuffin?
0: He's like an anti-McGuffin. Have you like, have you
2: have you seen the video on McGuffins?
0: I've seen the video on McGuffins. Although <laughs> he's like the opposite of like instead of being the thing that the heroes are going after, he's the thing that's pushing the heroes into motion. But like he himself doesn't really have a character arc. Doesn't really have a whole lot of connection to the like emotionally. Again, like logically, uh, textually, all this stuff is there. But I don't really care.
2: He's a he's a Nifakam. There you go.
0: Is that a prescription?
2: No, that's... (laughs) McGuffin's spelled
1: backwards. (laughs) All
0: right, this podcast is over. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. This podcast is canceled because Aldo is
2: bad.
1: (laughs) Would you say the podcast is now tainted?
2: (laughs) Good night! Oh, man. That really hit him in the paranoia.